Hello, I'm Alex Zetrovich, and this is the Vitners Podcast. Vitners is a global digital B2B platform designed to improve the trade between craft wine growers, their importers and distributors, and professional wine buyers. Today, I will be interviewing Andy Comer and Gaurav Tiwari of The Waves, a first-of-its-kind direct-to-consumer e-commerce and editorial platform for natural wine. The Waves champions diversity, transparency, and responsible production, the values that align with ours at Vintners. We will hear more about the platform, but before that, I will quickly introduce the two founders. Andy Comer, co-founder and the president of The Waves, like some of our previous guests on the show, was involved in the music industry. He was the founding member of several rock bands. He was also involved in marketing and brand building for over two decades. Most significantly, he brought GQ into the digital world as their first ever multimedia editor. Then, in the midst of the pandemic, he became the founding wine director of Restaurant Tomo in Seattle, which was nominated for the James Beard Award in 2022 for the wine program that he built. His fellow co-founder and longtime friend, Gaurav Tiwari, is the CEO of The Waves. Gaurav leads the venture's enterprise strategy and product management. Prior to co-founding The Waves, he spent nearly a decade at the e-commerce tech giant, Amazon, where he led teams responsible for category management, technology, data science, and product development. He discovered wine on a trip to Oxford University when he was immersed by the wonders of Northern Rhone Syrah. Andy, Gaurav, welcome to the show. Thank you for Glad having me. Glad to be here. Uh, why don't we start with like a brief uh, intro of what The Waves is um, and kind of what's your what's your plan and mission? And I know that you just just getting started. Um, so if one of you can can tell me a little more about the business. So The Waves is a subscription service and really a very uncommon type of subscription service uh, for natural wines. Uh, we launched about four weeks ago now uh, in mid-February of 23. And our mission is really simple. Um, you know, we we want more people to discover and enjoy natural wines, uh, and we're we're excited to talk about um, you know how we bring that mission to life. We're also sort of excited to talk about what inspired uh, the waves in the first place. Um, when it comes down to it, Gaurav and I uh, love wine, and you know we really do see a challenge in front of us. Um, you know, when you kind of look at uh, what's happening in the US, and we are exclusively in the US right now, um, you know, it, it's easy to get sort of insulated in a little bubble about natural wine. But what what we have noticed right. is that people, you know, really between like the ages of 25 and 45, um, you know, they're, they're the people who are kind of like setting the agenda for um, for what's important and what's happening. And the more we sort of read and, and kind of the more we own experience natural wine in our own lives, we, we started seeing signs that, um, it arguably was not connecting, uh, with as many or as inclusive, uh, a group of people, uh, as it could, or, or we believe should. Right. And so this kind of touches on the topic of, um, you know, metropolitan centers really being, um, hot spots for natural wine, uh, which mm -hmm. is great and which we, which we're really psyched about. Um, but you know, too often for, for a large number of reasons, people out of the metropolitan centers are kind of left out. Right. And at the right. end of the day, I think we believe that, um, you know, the ethos behind natural wines, which, which we can talk about, you know, it just aligns really, really well with, with what, you know, we believe a lot of people, care about today mm -hmm. um, and you know from from just eating and drinking better to um you know smarter you know more purposeful mindful consumption you know the mm -hmm. impact that our choices make on other people and the planet um you know these are things that are that are of prime importance uh for us and and for most of the people we know um and i think you know we first and foremost are really inspired by um, these incredible winemakers whose whose wines we've enjoyed over the years and some of whom we've had the privilege of meeting uh, over over the last couple of years as we've undertaken this journey um, who really care fundamentally about how their grapes are grown um, mm -hmm. and are sourced 
you know, who really genuinely care about their relationship to their land, um, who are totally mindful about the way their wines are made, and who also are conscious of the way they treat the people who work uh, for them. And, you know, we really feel that, you know, all of those values are totally aligned uh, with what we care about as wine drinkers. Mm -hmm. And we sort of saw that no one was really building a bridge, um, you know, like the Golden Gate Bridge that you have in your background <laughs> <laughs> to, to, uh, to connect them. And um, yep. yeah, so I, I would say at the end of the day, the waves is about trying to build a bridge that connects natural wine to more people uh, around a shared ethos. And and we can talk a lot more about kind of what that means, because it turns out, as you probably can imagine, Alex, there are, there are a whole number of barriers. Uh, there are a whole number of barriers that exist there. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting that you say this because... Um, about a year ago, I had a conversation with somebody who's his, who's kind of a natural wine veteran, I would say. Basically, the conversation was that I felt like a lot of time um, lately in the last year or so, uh, I felt like the, the veterans, the OGs of the natural wine industry are building these barriers and not kind of like not letting some of the people um, come in you know, uh, in, in, it kind of created this bubble. Uh, I think, I think that's one of the, the constraints, but also obviously there, are, there are many others that I think you're trying to, uh, to basically tear down. Yeah. I mean, the truth is that, I mean, a lot of the OGs are our friends and, you know, <laughs> our, and, and our, and our people who, who we, um, were inspired by to, to start this project in the first place, right? So in no way do we see ourselves as, um, you know, providing some sort of a counterpoint to that. We, mm -hmm. we really see ourselves as more of a vehicle for bringing more people into the kind of like magic for, I know that sounds a bit cliched, but, you know, the magic of of not just what the OGs do, because arguably their stories need to be better told to to more people, but, but also, right. also what more more recent upstarts have done. And um, you know, I think we we see the barriers a little bit differently. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we we I think what you're talking about as far as like a natural wine bubble um, is a little bit of like a symptom of a much larger problem that um, that at the end of the day has kind of that we understand because it's the OGs have been excluded from the conversation. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a pretty complex um, set of problems that we see and, you know, certainly love to kind of lay those out. I mean, for us, it's like, um, you know, when you think about these barriers, like if you think about this metaphor of a bridge between natural wine and people, right. It's like, there are a few things going on. I mean, it's like, I think first of all, for most people, it's, it's incredibly hard to understand what natural wine is. And, uh, oh and, yeah, of course. And what it isn't. And and even the term natural wine is fraught with, you know, uh, misunderstandings and problems, which we can certainly talk about. Um, yeah. There's no shortage of other confusing terms, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that people who are, who kind of want to access the world of wine have to kind of muddle through in order to get to something approximating the truth. And then even if you do understand or think you understand, it's super tough to find the wines that you're looking for. Um, and I think one of the things that we, Gorv and I recognize is that, you know, when you are on this kind of treasure hunt to find these wines, you, you often have to go through a shopping experience that can feel pretty exclusive and sometimes even standoffish. And, you know, we each experienced that over the course of our wine buying lives for the last 20 years. Yep. Um, I know we're not at origin stories yet. I started my career in music and I saw a lot of commonality between like the experience of shopping in an indie record store in the nineties and buying natural wine in the aughts that I thought was super interesting. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean the barriers are are numerous and vast. I mean, Gorov, we've we've sort of talked about those from the beginning, right? Yeah, and I, I think the you know we started the waves to sort of tackle these barriers, right? And 
what we as sort of coming back to your original question about sort of like what is the waves and we really see ourselves as a lifestyle focused e-commerce wine platform that is making wine shopping uh, natural wine shopping fun and we are trying to blur the line between shopping and storytelling because yeah. wine is about stories and it's about uh, places and people um, and you know e-commerce allows us to bring those stories locally to people right and especially coming back to sort of the 25 to 45 year um, um, people like sort of our our core customer um, we are really thinking like they will respond well to storytelling right and they I like the idea of discovery we already know they care about sort of choices and personal health and they they want to eat and drink better and our platform will will allow them to do all of it right and it comes back to um, giving that sort of upscale experience uh, we can go into a little bit about sort of you know it is a personalized experience the more you shop the more better we recommend wines to our okay. customers um, and that's sort of you know if you're outside of Metropole we're, we're shipping to pretty much every state that's that allows uh, DTC wine shipments um, so it, it it is taking us outside of these sort of metropolitan areas and and getting those customers into the conversation as well. Yeah, uh, uh, that's I, I think I think it's great, and I, I think one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is exactly that because I think there are some similarities between what we do. Of course, Vintners is currently mainly just a, a B2B platform, um, so completely different different business than what you do but in in a, in a way also very similar because we also think that that wine is about storytelling and that a lot of times um the information about wine is either misconstrued misconstrued or it's missing and yeah. and uh you know we're trying to provide this more and more um i just want to go back to uh what andy said earlier how the, the term natural wine can be confusing for a lot of people yeah. Uh, we we use term craft wine at Vintners, uh, which is something that I think, you know, it, it's also confusing <laughs> in a way. That's a that's actually a new one. I've not heard of craft wine before. That's that's interesting. It, yeah, and and uh, I think it's it's interesting because if you think of the spirits industry or the beer industry, yeah, uh, sure. both both of them adopted the the word craft. Craft. for yeah. for these for basically what natural wine stands for for like the small independent producers who makes a unique product um natural wine i think also it, it goes a little bit further into you know sustainability um and and uh ecological things um but all that being said speaking about the information uh, one of the things that we are trying to do at Bitners, and I'm curious to know if this is what the Waves is also um, trying to do, is that um, we are kind of after people who are not really just people who drink natural wine. We're, we, we, we want to have uh, wine shop buyers who are maybe not that familiar or not in the natural wine bubble coming onto our platform and ordering um, craft wine or natural wine or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So my question for you is, is it the waves also, and it sounds like it is since you're going out of the metropolitan area, are you also trying to attract people to this, to natural wine, to this product uh, that is unique, you know, people who are not necessarily part of the, 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 the bubble? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that is, that is one of our primary goals, right? Like, our mission as like, I'll come back to that, right? Like our mission is we want more people to discover and enjoy natural wines. And just those two words are so powerful to, powerful to us, the point of discovery and enjoyment, right? Because these people, as you're saying, like people outside these bubbles, they need to discover the natural wines, right? And they've heard about them, but if their first encounter is a natural wine, you know, the styles of natural wine, can go from classic to to um, to more sort of you know out there wines. 
But if their first interaction is something that shocks them, um, they may not turn on to the category, right? Like that comes back to my or origin story for how I got into it. Like my path was through tr a, a conventional palette, right? Uh, and I discovered and fell in love with natural wines. And I think that's the, that is 100% the idea that we want people to start to understand and enjoy natural wines outside that's of these bubbles. Totally. And I think it's like, if you peel back the layers of the problem a little bit, right? We are, we are using the term natural wine on this podcast. And we're using the term because Crap. it's a signifier, uh, like it, it, it reflects, um, it, it's the most understandable term there is out there to Absolutely. describe a certain body of wine. But I think Gaurav and I, and, you know, are, are really inspired by something that, um, Daniela Di Grotolo from Cantina Giardino said, uh, to our friend, Christina Rasmussen, that I think she published this on littlewine.co and, and she, I'm paraphrasing Daniela, but she basically said, we don't call our wines natural wines. We just call them wines. Why should I put a label on my wines? Let's put a label on the other wines and call them fake wines, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and so, so on the one hand, you know, you have, um, you know, the reality of natural wine as a kind of an oppositional term, right? Which, which is understandable because people who are drinking want to know that, you know, what it is that they're drinking at, at you know, follows a certain standard. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is that those standards are really murky and and don't have any commonality. Uh, and there's a lot of dogmatism, you know, within that world. So natural wine itself becomes at worst a little bit subjective. Um, I mean, I again, I'm getting into my origin story, but when I did some restaurant work and was involved in wine buying and started kind of peeling back the layers of some of the wines uh, in, in our part of the world, the Pacific Northwest that market themselves as natural, you start realizing that many of them don't even use organically farmed grapes. So it's sort of like, well, wait a minute. There are also things being marketed as natural that when you sort of look into it uh, by our standards are not. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you have winemakers, um, you know, and I'll use like, you know, Luca Roanya or, uh, Bernard Baudry as examples who, who do do all the right things by our standards and for whatever reason are not often brought into the natural wine conversation because they don't have a certain image or they, their labels don't look a certain way or Absolutely. they haven't been featured on the right Instagram accounts by the right tastemakers. And, you know, look at the end of the day, what Gorov and I want and what we envision is a world where people just talk about wine, wine. Yeah. And we're not labeling things. I mean, I, I, had this amazing conversation of a few uh, months ago with this winemaker who we love in in uh, in in Kras in Slovenia named Marco Fon. Yep. And Marco asked me, um, you know, why do you Americans call it natural wine? And I, I basically said, well, you know, I mean, it's it's not the, it's not an ideal term, but it it's it's a way of at least designating kind of what it is that you're looking for from a wine. And he said, you know, I, I, I think that's very American. He said, you know, it, <laughs> he said, you know, that, that, you know, the, the idea that, that you're labeling my wines or a certain category of wines is natural, you know, sort of is, is indicative that, that you're already dead, you know, that you already think of this living, breathing thing called wine in these sort of binary terms. And, and that really stuck with me. And, uh, and I think he has an amazing point for us and we can talk about this more it's not about getting hung up on terms like natural wine and as you'll see in our experience we don't use that term a whole lot we really just talk about wine but what we do talk about is the fact that every single wine we offer on the waves is organically farmed legitimately um has no synthetic additives and we can talk about is is fermented using native yeast and you know if you zoom out you know is made by winemakers who adopt a low intervention approach now no. does that mean that we're gonna you know have a fight over the number of you know milligrams per liter of sulfur in a bottle we're not um in general you know we you know we we adhere to the you know 
we, we adhere to the notion that, you know, below 70 milligrams per liter is, is kind of where we would like to be. Mm-hmm. In the day, I, you know, I agree with uh, Justin Cherno, who, you know, I think you had on the show recently. Yep. Basically said, that's not for me to decide. Like that's, that's for the yep. wine, that's for the winemaker to decide. And, you yep. know, who, who are we to sort of say that, we understand the specific vision and the specific climactic conditions of a, of a vintage or whatever. Um, I think he used the example of Valette and, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, Valette being convinced uh, by, by another of our friends to, to not use sulfur in a vintage and, and the result not really being Valette. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and I, I truly think it, it, that's a decision winemakers need to make, right? Because uh, the the dogmatic position of not using any sulfur, and then you go through a vintage and you know what's happening in your vineyard and you know how your wines are maturing in your in your winery, and you may decide that that you want to add some sulfur just because it it allows you to express what the cuvee needs to be. Um, and there's no dogmatic position about it. I mean, uh, like when we started this uh, and uh, Ra- Rajat Parr, who's a partner in the business, um, he, he said that to us sort of not not regarding sulfur, but he he was sort of saying, you know, think of this and like, yeah, I know we're like natural wine is a thing now and everybody is talking about it, but you need to think about this as like generational that like I, because we were, we were talking to him about, hey, this is we have this idea. Would you be interested in partnering with us? Right. And his his thing to us was think in generations, right? Like if you are interested in building an idea out and you're doing something for our community that allows us to generationally make a difference, um, I'm in. Otherwise, I'm out. Like I get pitched hundred things. But if you guys are truly trying to make a difference that this thing we've made a difference when we're none of us are around and that's wine now that our philosophy that we're talking about becomes mainstream then we've made a difference and if that's your mission i'm in right and that's kind of how how we we got him to to join us amen to that i mean uh since i started i started working in the industry very young and started writing for wine spectator which i mentioned to you guys earlier uh, kind of a conservative publication uh, at a very young age. And before that, I was very much into natural wine. And I just want to go back um, to what Andy was saying, you know, about the term. And I had so many um, arguments where, you know, I was kind of saying, basically, we're calling it that because of lack of a better term. Um, yeah. That's that's one thing. And then another thing is, you know, I, I think for me, at least natural wine is kind of a response to, you know, all the the basically a response to what wine industry had turned into in the last, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, basically mm-hmm. after World War Two. So I think that's one thing. I also want to go back to Marco Fon because in Slovenia, they do call it natural wine. They call it Narav Novino. Uh, I'm Serbian, so so I, I, I know this. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you. And I, I think one of the things, you know, growing up uh, in Serbia, uh, which when, when I was a kid, you know, we had embargo and, and a war and it was not a country um, that, that was booming whatsoever. So most of the fruit and vegetables that I actually ate came from my uh, grandparents' garden. Um, and when I moved to the U.S., I was 18 years old. Um, that's the first time I encountered the term organic. And to me, it was a very ugly word. Um, you know, being English being a second language, I thought word organic sounded kind of bad. Um, and I remember in my environmental uh, class, we had environmental science class in high school here, I said, why are we calling it organic and all the the other fruit that is being sprayed and, you know, has hormones or has, you know, whatever it has, um, why are we not calling this, you know, fruit with hormones or fruit sprayed with synthetic synthetic chemicals? It should be, it should be that way. It shouldn't be the other way. So 
I just wanted to say that I totally agree with you. Natural wine should just be wine. Uh, I agree with Marco Fon as well. And but, you know, considering the reality, we have to find a label to differentiate this wine, these wines actually from the rest yes. of the wines. We have to find we, we need it because we, we need to be able to talk about it. Um, yeah. But we cannot allow it to become a commodity. And and that is one thing that the waves is um, very intentional about um, is uh, not falling into this notion that uh, somehow, quote unquote, natural wine um, is, is definitionally a, a certain style of wine. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when I, when I first heard that, I is like I thought about like, you know, English punk rock in the late seventies. And the, you know, the idea that, you know, the sex pistols were representative of a style. Right. And all of a sudden the style gets commodified and you get 50 bands that are mimicking the style of the sex pistols. And this, this energy and this intentionality that was in the movement at the first place in the first place is, is, is drowned out and it, it becomes co-opted and it disappears. The, the idea that natural wine is merely a style to me is a, function of commodification right it's like you know and and to go back to the example of you know a baudry or a rowania on the one hand right and and you know um you know maybe a uh you know a, a, a ganavat or uh you know like a um uh foulard rouge on the other just to use a couple of examples it's like there's a vast diversity of styles in in what we would call natural wine absolutely and, i mean i mean you can you can also say drc is a natural wine and and uh yeah. you know so, and yeah. uh, and a lot of people who collect it uh will say that they don't like natural wine so <laughs> i think i think uh uh what what you're trying to say and, and something that i've been fighting um against for a long time is is you know saying oh i don't like natural wine you know, as, as a broad statement, then that kind of also says then, okay, you don't like wine because natural wine can be so many different things. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also love the, the, the fact that you, you brought up the sex pistols and, you know, I kind of think about this a lot and I compare music to wine a lot. Um, do you feel like, well, I, I, I feel this way. So let me rephrase. Um, I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of um, bigger wineries that are that wouldn't be considered in this conversation whatsoever, but are kind of now using uh, the trend a little bit and are, you know, apart from 10 cuvées that they make with, uh, you know, cultivated yeast, with uh, all the tricks that you have in winemaking, um, they also have one cuvée that they call natural. Um, and I kind of feel like in music, this is what happens very often. Like if you think about punk rock or just like rock and roll in general became pop, you know, every, every like generation has something like hip hop became poppy at some point. And so I wanted to, to hear what you, what you feel about, how do you feel about people who are very much industrial winemakers making one cuvee? that they have like one vineyard where they're experimenting with organic grapes and then they like make a low intervention wine. Would yeah. you, would you ever feature this wine uh, on your platform? It would depend. It would depend on the winemaker and, and the, yeah. and the, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's um, we're not here to moralize about anything. Um, okay. We, we don't, we, you know, yeah, there might be some things we're dogmatic about, right? Like the, like the, uh, you know, the, the criteria that each of the wines we carries must meet. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't, we don't really think of ourselves as very dogmatic outside of that. So uh, again, I mean, it's not to pass the buck, but I don't really feel like that's, um, that's something that we can generalize about. I, I think it would need to be a case by case sort of analysis. And it would kind of, you know, it would require us to do what we do for every other producer, which is, you know, have a direct connection with the producer and, and, you know, determine if, you know, by our standards, that 
individual or in this case that conglomerate was operating in good faith and doing you know creating something that met our standards i mean it's hard to generalize about yeah okay. I, I i would agree it's hard to generalize about that and i think the um you know ultimately we take the consumer back approach right like if our consumers um align with our ethos um are we are taking a very conscious thing to not point fingers at others right we highlight what we do and then we say here is the impact of the choices and then let people decide right like uh um we're not we're not policing in 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 a sense that way right the way I think about it, and this might not be totally fair, is like, uh, but to get to bring it back to the music metaphor is like Geffen Records in the 90s, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, Geffen put out Guns N' Roses, right? One of the biggest bands of the, well, I guess, late 80s, um, early 90s. And, uh, but Geffen also started putting out Sonic Youth and Nirvana, right? And, right. you know, um, it's like are 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 the are the Sonic Youth and Nirvana records that were put out by Geffen, by definition compromised because you know they were put out by Geffen, you know which Geffen is a huge conglomerate like like you know or was at least like like some of the uh, maybe some of the wine industrial winemakers that you're that you're referring to are, um, but it doesn't mean that you know every single thing that they do, um, is 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 polluted with with poor intent, or at least I believe that I, I certainly don't believe that I certainly don't discount the, the Geffen releases by Sonic Youth and Nirvana, which I think are great and actually pretty pure, all things considered. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, this is another thing that I, I get. Um, I have conversation about this with a lot of folks and I think everybody has a different opinion. Um, you know, I, I personally think that that more and more people um, leaning towards more sustainable future and responsible farming and everything that your platform stands for and what Bittner stands for, um, I think is good. Um, and you know, I, I'll I'll list a couple of examples. I, I think, you know, when the natural wine thing started, a lot of people were saying, yeah, natural wine comes from producers that are small, five, six hectares and stuff like this. Now we're seeing that, you know, for example, uh, Weingut Heinrich in Bergenland in Austria is That's making right. really awesome wines. Uh, I think at some point they had like something like 90 hectares and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but but it's a pretty big winery. Uh, Klaus yeah. Preisinger works with about 40 hectares or something like this. And I love wine from Klaus Preisinger. Uh, and, you know, the list goes on. So I think I think if you have the right team, the right idea in mind and and, and you, you know what you want to do, um, I think it's a good thing um, to to have bigger wineries kind of do this. You kind of just touched on one of our one of our key principles when we started out uh, with the waves is, was first of all, recognizing in each other, myself and Gora of kind of non-traditional approaches, right? That were still rooted in a love of wine, but also being very intentional about building a team, um, you know, that's, that's rooted in real wine expertise and sort of blending these different skill sets and different ways of looking at the problem in order to solve it in a new way is something that, that I think is really fundamental to who we are. Um, that sounds great. I also wanted to to touch uh, on. I don't know if you guys have read, but uh, EU is going to start implementing uh, putting uh, nutritional facts and uh, like basically additive list on the wines. Mm -hmm. and And it seems like US is uh, kind of like took the opportunity to do the same thing. What? How do you feel about this? Do you think it's a right right move? Or? I think it's absolutely the right move, right? Like if you, again, if you look at the, uh, if you look at wine as a, um, as a category, right? And if we think about the longevity of, and, you know, we want more people to discover and enjoy wines. These people, as they get into their prime spending cycle, 25 to 45 year olds, um, they are used to, seeing what they're consuming right they'd look at 
They look at skincare products. They pick up food packets, everything they drink. It has labels on them. They know exactly what they're consuming. Wine, they see nothing, right? And it's part of the part of the reason why we started. Um, if you look on our on our platform, every wine, we are trying to be transparent. Now, not in terms of like we're not testing it for calorie values and things like that, but from an additive perspective, we're trying to make sure that what our wines don't have, we are absolutely making sure that people people see it right so you will see on every every product detail page you will see it's organically farmed whether that has filtered or find or not whether there's so2 in it or not like we call it out because it's we are trying to solve the problem within what we know is possible today and we are going to continue to champion the any idea that allows to bring more transparency into wine because it'll only help. It'll give confidence to people. We have talked in our own sort of anecdotal research when we were doing this and we read reports after reports where it's like, you know, if you ask, wine has a built-in advantage from a perception standpoint. When you ask people, what do you think is healthy for you? The answer is wine, right? Wine leads all the other alcohol and spirits. People right. have this perceived notion that wine is better. Right, right. Now, the, Mediterranean, where... the Mediterranean diet, it's uh, wine, olive oil, and <laughs> there, there you go. Right. But, you know, we, I think it'll help. We, we're going to be, uh, we, we will be the first ones to adapt when our laws change for sure. Yeah. We, we have a, uh, on, on the waves right now is a, uh, a, an editorial piece that we published about this topic of transparency and, we, we sort of, you know, set the stage a little bit for some of the conversations that we want to facilitate around some of these topics. Um, the, the EU phenomenon is something that we that we talk about and we talk about um, in the US, um, you know, a, a large number of consumer rights organizations have filed a massive lawsuit against the, the TTB uh, here in the US uh, around this exact issue. Yeah. And it's, it's this has been mounting for decades, you know, and um, I think, uh, you know, to echo Gorov, we absolutely believe that the the end the end goal here of more transparency is 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 positive. Let's let's hope that the means are not bureaucratically enforced in a way that a dilutes them or b puts more hindrances on already um, overwrought winemakers right let's 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 lobby for a solution uh that doesn't do what like the AOC system has done or what other hoops that winemakers have to jump through have done um winemakers will always find a way around that because they're so ingenious um <laughs> but at the end of the day the the end result people being able to understand what it is they're consuming that's we believe that's a necessity yeah I, I totally agree. I um, I recently wrote a piece um, because in Austria, they're kind of trying to, quote unquote, legalize natural wine. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know, and, and mm -hmm. anybody who drinks natural wine, a lot of wines that are made uh, in low intervention style don't meet the criteria that AOC set up or the DAC in Austria, so on. And, you know, for me, this is quite annoying because a lot of times um, a wine that uses for example, a wine in Austria that somebody uses, uh, I, I'm just going to say like champagne, yeast, whatever, but like yeast that are not yeah. native would yep. would get, you know, to say, oh, this wine comes from Burgenland. And then we have our friend Klaus Freisinger, for example, that I mentioned earlier, who whose label says, in the best case, it says Wineland, which basically means nothing. It's like half of the country. And in worst case, it just says Austria. Uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of like a really vague term. And, um, when I, when I spoke to winemakers about this, natural winemakers, a lot of them were actually against quote unquote legalizing natural wine because they thought that it would be very bureaucratic. It would dilute what they've, they've been doing and it would allow some people who are not very genuine to enter the scene. Um, so I totally hear you. And I, I really hope that that this is done properly. Um, so what we want um, is actually, you know, conveyed in a, in a right manner. Um, 
My next question for you um, is, you spoke earlier about when people shop on your platform, uh, the more they shop, the better wine, the better you're going to recommend wines for them. Uh, I would like to hear a little bit uh, about that. Um, like how, how is that being done? Uh, I'm guessing you're using an algorithm. Um, and if so, do you think that the, the algorithm can replace, you know, like your cavist or your sommelier? So all these people who have been telling stories about wine, um, you know, to us for yeah, years. I'll, I'll just start and then I'll pass it to Gaurav. But I, 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 first and foremost, I mean, look, we're, we are an e-commerce platform. So technology, the use of technology is, it's, it's just endemic to who we are. Like it's, it's, it's unavoidable. Um, but we are not a tech company uh, by, by any means. And, uh, you know, do we, do we have mechanisms in place to better recommend wine to people? Yes. And I'll kind of let Gaurav talk about that. It's really part of our overall shopping experience uh, and what we aim to deliver in that. But do we think that technology uh, can somehow replace people in wine? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. I, I think you, 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 I, I think Andy's like, I grew up in the technology world and I don't think of technology in, in such way uh, for us. I mean, you know, as Andy's saying, we are an e-commerce platform. So technical innovation is, of course, at the heart of our core shopping experience. But we don't see the role of technology to be stuffy or geeky. But really, it is to communicate, educate, connect, and entertain our customers, right? Wine is about storytelling, and everyone needs help when they, when they want to buy wine. So how can technology solve for it? But it's all in the background, right? It'll never be like stuffy and geeky and in your face. And uh, the more you shop on our platform, the the more you you realize. And for that reason, we consciously decided when we started this venture to not start with like, let us ask you a series of 30 questions because then our algorithm is going to give you a better answer. No, that's not the way to approach this, right? Um, we believe tech is always should be behind the scene improving the shopping experience and and really the north star is we've solved the problem without you like for a customer who was being entertained and they really liked shopping with us but they we met their need right um and yes there is an algorithm in the background um and that's sort of you know our proprietary sort of tech technology we're using but it's really not like we don't try and put it in front, it's all working in the background. And the way it works is the more you shop, uh, the fundamental difference between sort of how we believe our, our technology is different from what's out there, right? Uh, what's out there generally tends to say, well, you like Pinot Noir. So now let me inundate you with more and more recommendations of Pinot Noirs, right? And we take, and this is sort of how uh, you know, we we bring it back to the concept of taste, right? A Pinot Noir that comes from certain parts of the world has some characteristics, but it's fundamentally different from some other Pinot Noirs that come from other parts of the world, right? And you should not be, if you like the cool climate Pinot Noir or a Pinot Noir from Jura, for example, I should not be giving you a California Pinot Noir recommendation because you will not enjoy that wine the same way, right? right. So this notion of, uh, you know, and again, we've, we've worked really hard with Rajat and our chief wine officer, Billy Smith, who understands wines and how to connect the dots between wines and tastes. Um, and that's kind of our, our idea. The algorithm in the background is helping you say, if you like the Pinot Noir from a certain region, we are beginning to understand what sort of taste profiles you like, and we will recommend you wines including Pinot Noirs, but maybe other grapes too, that we right. believe belong to the same taste profile that you will enjoy the same way. And that's our fundamental difference. And that's baked into the whole concept of discovery because, you know, American consumers are trained around like, here are the grape varietals I know, and that's all I'm going to shop. But there's all this other stuff, amazing cuvées and amazing um, grapes out there that are yet to be discovered. Uh, but they don't get the same platform, but our shopping experience allows you to discover them. Yeah. Or, or, you know, Alex liked 
Alex liked this wine. Andy also liked this wine. Therefore, you know, all the other wines that Alex likes, I'm going to recommend to Andy, never mind the fact that they're totally different people, right? That's the other, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's like the Netflix model that's kind of out there as well. And, and for us, it's like, well, okay, that's, that really has nothing to do with wine, nor does the varietal thing, you know, in terms of recommendations. And so the idea yeah. is like, and we're really inspired by Raj and his book, The Sommelier's Atlas of Taste, where he really breaks this down and shows, you know, really artfully that taste is is not a simple thing, that it's it's incredibly nuanced and it's totally multi-factor. And it and and so if we can encourage discovery based on that and start making taste connections that delight people in new ways. That's kind of what wine's all about. That to us is like using technology in a positive way to help people discover wine. And uh, yeah, I mean, we 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 feel strongly about that. And I would also add that in our shopping experience, the you cannot search by producer or by grape varietal or by region. We deliberately did not do that. You you can shop um, according to um, effectively like what's going on in your life. At the moment, it's a, it's an editorialized shopping experience that we believe is more in tune with the way real people drink and that we right. believe ultimately will yield more discovery and to be quite honest, less hoarding of certain producers or certain wines. Right. We we yeah. we don't like the notion of, you know, everyone coming to the waves and looking for domain octavan and buying all of it themselves i mean it's like the, the whole yep. point of what we're doing is no, no 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 we want people who are interested in alice bouveau to use an example or who are interested in in the fact that alice bouveau's wine was recommended to them because it has some taste similarities to another wine that they really like why should they not have a fair shot at acquiring that low yield wine like why should that wine be be the be the hoarded by by a chosen few um that's a big part of who we are it kind of goes back to the music thing too <laughs> yeah i i really i actually really love that and and you know i started my wine career in retail um the amount of people that would walk in and say i want a pinot noir um you know or i want a chardonnay would without you know, and then you have to kind of like break it down. Okay, so what kind of Chardonnay? What kind of Pinot Noir? And also, you know, being being single in New York City um, in in my twenties, you know, every, <laughs> so many dates I would go out on, and and you know, we're like drinking wine, and I'm like, so what do you like to drink? Oh, I really like Pinot Grigio, or you know, st stuff like this. And I'm not trying to be mean or make make fun of of uh, anyone. What I'm trying to say is that I really appreciate what you guys are trying to do because it breaks down wine to what it is. Uh, and it is this incredibly diverse um, mm -hmm. thing. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of another thing that people ask very often is, what's your favorite wine? It's it's all pretty much almost the same if I came to you and said, what's your favorite food? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's a very hard thing. Um, so, so I really like that you're, that you're trying to break this down. Yeah. Um, and, and to come back to sort of your last question around like sommeliers and those kinds of things, right? Like we believe people have really positive experiences, right? Like there's a reason why you go to your neighborhood wine store, right? And we, we believe if you've discovered a wine on our platform, you should go to your neighborhood wine store and see if you can get it there. Right. And if you can't, and you know you happen to live in new york in la and san francisco maybe you will find it but if you live somewhere in middle america maybe you won't find those wines in in your local store so you should have access to them right and we have benefited from you know people like billy smith who's our chief wine officer and raj who you know when you go they've spent between the two of them i think four decades of restaurant experience right and if you are served by them it profoundly changed your opinion about what wine, how you should think about wine, right? But they were constrained by the four walls of the restaurants that they worked in. But what if we could recommend the wines in the same way they have recommended in their restaurants and make it available to even more people? That's our concept of discovery, right? And that's 
that's how we think about it, that we're taking their philosophy and making it accessible to more people. But like, you know, Billy worked at Four Horsemen. Good luck if you found a reservation at Four Horsemen to eat there. But most people probably can't get into Four, Four Horsemen. But now this way, we're extending sort of that that philosophy forward to other people. Yeah, that's that's absolutely great. And I, I really love this idea. Um, that's basically all I had for you guys. If you want to add uh, anything, anything that I didn't ask, or you want to say anything about your platform in addition to what you've already shared, uh, this is the time to do so before I ask you one last question. <laughs> uh, I, I would... I would say we should probably touch on why we called it the waves because uh, it's an interesting, like every wine name has a vino reference and we came up with the, with the waves and it was very different. And we, we like a lot of people ask us why the waves that's got nothing to maybe, and Andy has a really good answer. So I would volunteer Andy to, <laughs> to try and answer that well, question. I'll, I'll, I'll let Alex be the judge or I'll let the, I'll let the, the listener be the judge of how good the answer <laughs> But, um, I mean, we really liked, uh, we really liked the waves, uh, because first of all, it, it felt universal and sort of relatable and kind of mysterious, right. Very much like wine. Um, you know, if, if, if you want to be technical about it, um, every wave is unique, right. Every weaves, every wave sort of has its own unique wavelength, Yep. which is something we love about wine. Every wine is totally unique. And it's also something that we love about people. Every person is totally unique. And we really see our mission as kind of um, figuring out how to connect really, truly singular, unique wines to really, truly singular, unique people. Um, That's right. And so, so we love we love this idea of of the wave as a metaphor for that. It's also, I mean, when it the way that the way that you shop our site, you know, you might come, you might come to it with a, with a very different uh, goal in mind, you know, in the sweltering summer months in New York city than you do, you know, during the fall months in Seattle. Right. I mean, it's like people's lives and that's only talking about seasons, people's lives, you know, are constant in constant flux. Right. And, you know, I think people's, what people are looking for in wine changes as a function of whatever's going on in their lives. And, and so I think this idea of just the waves of existence and kind of uh, right. acknowledging that nothing sits still, wine doesn't sit still, our lives don't sit still, um, is kind of baked into it's baked into the idea, and we just really dig it. It's also, I mean, it's also the name of a Virginia Woolf book, which is not a bad thing. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. we love Virginia. Woolf. We 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 thought long and hard about that name and i think the name really represents everything we are trying to do it you can break it down from the waves yeah. uh, and um you know people do get it because we were at ladiv and uh we saw pakalay and uh you know he he was like oh so what are you guys working on we're like oh you know we we're working on this e-commerce platform called the waves and he's like oh i like that name taking the the waves from my wines to the people like and he he made that little wave sign with his hand and i'm like whoa you get it that's exactly what we're trying to do that's well if anybody was gonna get it it was it was uh philly pakale i mean that's so, right. <laughs> I, I will say i will tell you alex i also ran it by marco fawn and marco fawn also liked it for a different reason he, he liked it because he felt that it was evocative of the vibrations right between yeah. between winemaker and wine yeah. Um, and, and, and wine and wine drinker, right. Yeah. Which, which I also think is beautiful. I mean, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a pretty great encapsulation of what we're about, which is diversity, mystery, subjectivity. Everyone's got their own personal taste, you know, and, and yeah. we're yeah. just here to sort of help people find. Yeah. Everyone's on their own frequency, if you will. hundred percent, hundred percent. This kind of reminds me of, uh, I visited Nicolas Jolie uh, several years ago, and when we came into his cellar, he took out uh, a music key to tune his barrels. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I, I thought yeah. this was this was pretty interesting. Um, anyway, thank you, so, thank you so much for, for, um, for sharing the story. Before I let you go, uh, I do this basically at the end of every episode. Um, 
I, this is basically your opportunity to kind of tell me uh, a dining experience or even a wine shopping experience. It doesn't have to be just related to food um, as, as of late and kind of to give a plug for, you know, some of the, the people that you like to shop from or dine with or what, whatever. Great question. Yeah. Maybe I'll go. I'll go first, and Andy, you can you can fit. So for me, in recent sort of past, an amazing dining experience. Um, shout out to Marco um, from um, Character. Like he booked us this table at an incredibly hard to get in restaurant in Paris called Moconuts. Yep. And it has been on the radar for a very long time. Super small place you can never get in. So thank you, Marco, for hooking us up. And it was, it was something, man. Like that was a, uh, you know, we've, especially now that coming into the wine world, you eat a lot of special places and, and, um, and meals, but that was, it kind of stood out and her story again, like, you know, they're from New York. It's a, I think she's Japanese and her husband is, um, is uh, Middle Eastern. So they had like this, um, you know, Asian, Middle Eastern, French cuisine mix. And we had a Kenji's like fire. I think it was 2019 Shannon that we had. Um, and it was an amazing, amazing dining experience. So if you're in Paris, you can score a table at Moconuts. Please go eat food made by Moko-san. It's amazing. You're actually making me really jealous because when I was in Paris last year, um, Nico, who is Barco's friend and partner, um, yeah. was was able to to get me two seats there but um we confused the dates and i actually could not make it <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> next time next time don't miss next it man time. it's a special meal man right yeah. andy you know i love restaurants and hospitalities it's hard for me to name just one so i'll just name i'll just name the ones that come to mind okay um, you know Gorv and I had a meal last week at the Four Horsemen, which we, you know, which, you know, we've spoken about, you know, across, across, across this podcast. And, you know, Billy Smith, uh, our chief wine officer, obviously comes from the Four Horsemen. Um, unbelievable. The last like five or six meals we've had there have just like blown my mind. I mean, yeah. Agreed. Nick Cartola is such an amazing chef and the food is getting better i think like oh, every time we yeah, eat there yeah. it's like man this is tastes better than last time <laughs> you know i was i was at four horsemen in 2015 when they first opened like on the opening day and i lived two blocks away i've been to the four horsemen so many times <laughs> and i totally agree like the food has just become insanely good it's insanely amazing good. it's so precise and but so accessible i just love it um Fulgurance Laundromat in Greenpoint, another place that, yeah. that we really love. We we were able to eat there last week. Um, the chef in residence there now, Flor Camolinga from Mexico City, uh, unbelievable cook and insane wine list. Uh, yeah. And Hugo, who runs the place, is a friend of the waves and um, highly recommend that. Um, God, the other ones that come to mind, you know, there's a place I was lucky enough to go to uh, over the last year in Slovenia called guest house Novak, which is in war mm -hmm. uh, in, in lower Styria. Um, just like unbelievable, just like family made, you know, hearty meal, um, unbelievable wine cellar with just like crazy back vintages of everything from Princic to, to Radicon to Grovner to Fon to Asiorbaj. And it's just an unbelievable experience. Um, and then the last one I'll mention is just because because Gorov mentioned Paris is Bistro Paul Bear, mm -hmm. um, which uh, God for for an American hanging out in Paris looking at that wine list and <laughs> being being reminded being reminded of just how gouged we are in the U.S. for price. Yeah, around, yeah. I mean, it was just like you, the 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 ability to you know to drink uh, a wine by a winemaker like Jan Duryu for you know, under a hundred euro, not, not exactly what you're going to find in the U S. So, so, no. so that was cool. And we love, love that, love that place. That is 
those are great tips. Um, thank you both again. Thank you for the tips. Thank you for joining the podcast. I really enjoyed uh, this episode. And uh, I really hope that uh, we we meet and share a meal or two together at, at some of these places that you listed. We'd love that. Or you, you, we'll go to one of your favorite places. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It seems like it seems like we we like uh, similar similar <laughs> places. So I I think Sounds so too. Good. I think we're gonna have a good time. Thank you so much for having us. Thank Alex. you. Appreciate it. Ciao. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the episode with the founders of the Waves. Please subscribe and listen to all the previous episodes. We've interviewed some very interesting folks from the wine industry. And if you'd like to find out more about Vintners, you can go to our website, vintners.co or vintners.co. Or you can contact us if you'd like to, to start using the platform or just to find out more at support at vintners.co. Again, that's support at vintners.co. Until next time, enjoy good craft wine and have a good day.